0: This is LifeLinks with a DL link.
1: Five minutes past 12 o'clock. Good afternoon. It is... A perfect, perfect Thursday. That's all I can say. I'm loving every minute of it. And I hope that you are too. And it's about to get a whole lot better for you. This, of course, is the DL Link show on 101.9 High FM. It is the show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination. And if this is the very first time you're tuning in, welcome. It's great to have you. The DL Link is such a brilliant organization. It was founded all the way back in 2010 by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Artsula and uh, they they provide a beautiful nurturing safe space where patients and their families um can turn to for all types of support um so really supporting well over um <clears throat> 600 and i think the last count was 650 families in our community um, they had a fantastic fundraising event just a few weeks ago, and you put your hands in your pocket. You showed your support, basically such an affirmation of what they're doing in the community. You appreciate, and they raised uh, 3.1 million Rand, just absolutely incredible. So we are delighted to have you listening to the show and uh, we have a wonderful show once again lined up for you. My name is Nikki Seberini and I'm really looking forward to spending the next hour with you. Always uh, inspirational stories coming your way, talking about struggle and hopefully also bringing you information that maybe you didn't know about before. I'm very excited um, about the guests that we have because our warrior is not just a warrior, but she helps people be warriors As well Um, And she has such a fascinating Story because I think she represents What a lot of um, the medical Fraternity should be looking like And that is the merging of East and West And, uh, And I think it is happening a lot more And I think there's so much Value in that Listen we would love to hear from you We always enjoy your input Please do feel free to take part in any of the Conversations that we're having You can SMS us on 34519 You can call Call us on 74 654 So let me start off by introducing our warrior this afternoon, Dr. Nadia Lufka.
2: Thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, privilege. Doc. Thank you so much.
1: As I said, you know, when I read up information about you, I thought, my goodness, this is an incredible human being. You have studied masters in psychology. Then you became a medical doctor. Then you became a doctor of homeopathy and Chinese medicine. How? How? Where? Where, What what, what part of your brain just keeps expanding and learning and growing? It's incredible. And obviously you have a great yearning to know more and more and a, and a, a really open mind.
2: So you could say perhaps that this all stems from a great inner confusion. No, 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 <laughs> and, a, no. and a lack of direction, <laughs> but uh, sort of the ultimate That's goal. just the
1: psychologist in you. No, no,
2: no. Of, it's of an course. inner drive, an inner drive. So there is so much to learn out there. And um, I was always interested in, you know, the health uh, professional services. Mm-hmm. And I was very much interested in the... Um, it's like personalized uh, counseling type work, you know, as opposed to just cold clinical work. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's where my passion started. You know, it was just a natural comfort zone for me to be working with people and their feelings as opposed to just doing what everyone else does. So a little bit more out-the-box So that was the
1: first step. The first step in exploring thing. What do I want to be doing? Did you did you enjoy studying psychology?
2: I mean, was was it? Mm, I had a lovely time. Outstanding time. And then practicing it. Well, uh, I actually didn't immediately then because uh, I sort of double majored in zoology. So myself and most Ah. of my friends wanted to be game rangers. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And uh, just a passion for life and a passion for nature and just a wonderful group of friends. You know, Mm. they were very special people. We had very special lecturers in those days. And then um, so after I did my master's in psychology, we had a bit of a brain drain in the country. So I was really stuck, you know, in terms of what would I do with my master's. And then my parents encouraged me to go into medical school. Wow. So well, I didn't how really old, want to do it. Were
1: you, how old were you at that stage? Oh, I was 26 then. <laughs> oh, and now you're going back to school, back to varsity, and now you're going to do medicine.
2: And then I was going to do medicine. That's hugely brave. That is hugely
1: brave. We're going to take a break. Before we do, I just want to say that I love that you had the interest in the zoology and the love of nature. Someone actually asked me a question the other day, and they said, like, what inspires you or who inspires you? And I spent quite a bit of time thinking about it. And then I thought, well, it's not a who. it's It's nature. You know, I'm very, very inspired when I'm in nature. She has this incredible way of allowing you to connect with so many things. It's it's incredible you with the psychology, the zoology, and now doing medicine and becoming a GP. I love your story. Let's take a break. We're going to be right back.
0: This is LifeLinks with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show This is Life Links with a DL link
1: Welcome back to the DL link show Our warrior this afternoon is Dr Nadia Lufka Nadia so at the age of 26 after getting your masters in psychology you returned and you studied medicine
2: That's correct
1: Brave, brave, brave.
2: So your parents encouraged you? Yes. So, particularly my mum. My father had passed away when I was. uh, I just finished first year of my BSc. And. Yeah, it just just like a safe, secure profession, and what was studying?
1: What was that like studying medicine after psychology? Psychology. Mm. So
2: we had an interesting year. It was more of an experimental year. One third already had degrees. Uh, Really? So we had vets, we had dentists, we even had uh, Dr. Richard Friedland, who uh, you know came in with his degree. Wow! Just like a much more mature class. It was different. So I wasn't you know only with the Mm eighteen-year-olds. It was. mm Yeah, it was a little bit more uh, interesting. I can imagine. And Uh, then you went off to the UK. I went off to the UK, um, just, you know, like most people would be doing to earn some pounds and to try and find a niche. And, you know, mine was in the field of psychiatry. It was one of the easiest um, sort of branches to get into, but it just fit in with my... It's like natural tendency to want to work with mental health as opposed to the cold clinical.
1: Mm, once again, medicine. you're drawn once to again, people. The, yes, you, mm-hmm. you, you're not just seeing a body; you're seeing a human being. That's correct, with all the complications and everything that goes with That's that. So what was it like going from South Africa to the UK and practicing as a clinical psychiatrist? You?
2: So I was working in uh, acute adult psychiatry mm-hmm. in the psychiatric emergency clinic, mostly based at one hospital. Um, It was very interesting. It's a very generic term that Um, it was very multicultural. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of my 12 years in the UK, it became extremely difficult. I was working with people who couldn't speak English and trying to do risk assessments with them and needing to use interpreters and the language line and uh, basically not really treating anyone who was English. So it was a challenge. So the language from that barrier interview.
1: was. It became a problem. It became a problem, yeah, you imagine? know, because
2: uh, it was very responsible work. You know, who could you send home? Who were who had a hidden agenda? Right. You know, who was trying to get housing or, mm. you know, get in on the mental health act. And mm. uh, but very interesting. And uh, I made some very nice, interesting uh, contacts. You know, that I'm still in touch with today. Great. Having returned in 2008. Back. I had three children then, and the UK just didn't seem to be the place to bring them up. So you came home. I came home. To sunny yeah, South yeah, Africa. Absolutely. I never did really left. Uh, that's what they say. Yeah, that's no, what they absolutely. say. Your heart was always here. Listen, did
1: you did you practice as a GP in the UK or only? I Only worked in the hospital, okay. in psychiatry. Okay. And so you came back. And was this when you decided to branch off? Or rather, it's not a branch off. It's an expansion. I and maybe I'm wrong. I mm. see it as an expansion going into homeopathy and Chinese medicine. That
2: I did in the UK. You I took did? advantage of um, the facilities there. So there was the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital in Great Ormond Street who were running a course for GPs, and it was run by specialists. Wow. The directors, the physician to the queen, and um, really? they were just the most outstanding intellectual people. It was just too wonderful, like an absolute privilege to learn from them, you know, and they were running a psychiatric clinic and a skin clinic clinic and a rheumatology clinic mm. and uh, everything being treated with homeopathy. And that sort of links back to my background, you know, of going into the biological life sciences originally. It's mm, mm. so a lot of animal remedies and mineral remedies. Nature, you know. going back Absolutely. to nature. I only regret I didn't do bo- uh, botany, you know. Cause now, listen, with you, so I'm important. sure it's never too late. Well, you know, we actually did learn. You know, quite a lot there. I'm so, sure it you was did. Just too stunning, and then uh, I did the Chinese medicine in Camden Town, the um, hospital in Beijing. Was that Sent difficult? Out it really was. It was a complete paradigm oh, shift. I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm sure. I never really mastered um, the use of the herbs and so on. It was a completely different language. And um, Is it very
1: different to homeopathy, Chinese medicine? Completely
2: different. Okay.
1: Yeah. okay. It's a different
2: toxicology. All together. Completely different. Yeah. yeah. But just fascinating. So I do believe that one has to try and bring in as many different modalities as one can to help a person. One cannot just stay with one model because we are multimodal. We are. Oh, we absolutely are
1: yeah. I, I find it so fascinating That you had these specialists in the UK Who were promoting the homeopathy You know, it's it's something that we still grapple with And we certainly mm-hmm. grapple with it in South Africa I mean, you have many doctors Who are open-minded when it comes to homeopathy And I think it's important to discuss it on a show Like um, the D.L. Ling show Where you have people who are fighting cancer And they're looking at all sorts of types of treatment And there are doctors who say You know, I cannot support homeopathy in any way Because there's no scientific research and there's no scientific backing. How do you marry the two? As a GP, you've studied the medicine, the Western medicine, and now bringing in the, the homeopathy.
2: Okay, so th- that body is healing very, itself. Yes, yeah, so it's a very relevant question. So I too started out like my colleagues. I was ignorant and I was sceptical, mm-hmm. and I therefore decided let's do something about it. You know, why don't you learn about it? So I actually, instead of closing the door, you opened it. I opened it, it and okay. I actually started off with a veterinary module that was run by the um, the, ho- the hospital in Glasgow. Um, it was oh. the most outstanding course. It was absolutely fascinating. So they were a veterinary. I'm not veteran, sure how that fits in. It was even closer to home than human. So they would um, say, for example, you had a, nor- a nervous racehorse who was bolting too early, yes. or a depressed little bitch who maybe lost her puppy, you know, yes. and was playing with squeaky toys. And. Um, you know, miscarriages in pigs. And there were so many interesting... How fascinating. For me, it was like so relevant Mm. and it sort of eliminated, you know, what one would call the placebo effect. And then, you know, when you do move into the human side of things, um, for example, in the area of allopathy, so that would be, um, you know, the more conventional problems like rashes and fevers and then uh, allergy, which is huge in homeopathy. There are so many research articles that are cited in the BMJ and the Lancet, you know, that do support the use of it. As uh, if I could call myself a student then, yes. I did an experiment. I was actually bitten by a mosquito. There was even a mosquito in the UK. Yeah, I don't <laughs> believe it. How did it survive the weather? How did it survive the weather? <laughs> it did. Absolutely. And it was quite a virulent little bug, really? I have to say. I ended up with cellulitis and this was my oh. experiment. Like normally it would be a five-day course of uh, antibiotics yes. and I... I was just standing on that underground train with my leg throbbing and swollen, and I thought, she like, maybe like, it's a good time to start the homeopathic, you know, and which I did. I took the belladonna that night, and the next morning I was just left with a big yellow bruise. Like, for me, that was just too amazing. I couldn't believe that just uh, like that. just did the trick where it could have been a week of antibiotics. So there I was. So, like, at the pinnacle of uh, two choices, mm, you know. Mm. How can one not combine that, you know? And then there's a whole community that I do embrace you know Complementary type medicine Mm. And it's just so lovely To be able to offer both Oh I love
1: it I love that we can have This conversation And talk about offering both That it shouldn't be One or the other It shouldn't be one or
2: the other And Mm. when you do learn Sort of the uh, personalities Of the remedies uh, The the link to psychiatry Is just staggering So having been immersed In psychiatry And writing scripts All the time And dealing with The same types of medications It's just so amazing To match a personality To a particular remedy You know And to try that Like start the gentle approach
1: so you can in, you can introduce it into psychology or to into psychiatry because I, I mm. see kind of homeopathy um, if you have a sore throat or as you've been bitten by something or whatever it is, allergies or whatever, but actually looking at bringing into that psychiatry. How
2: Absolutely. interesting. Wow, so for, for wow. like the ADD kids, the nervous children, children who won't sleep in their own beds right. at night, you know, they're just wonderful because there's just no prejudice or bias. Children don't uh, suffer from the placebo effect mm. and that's not to suggest that the placebo effect is operant in adults either but so uh, you just have like pure little souls that are so receptive, you know, mm. to something that could help them and to actually see the improvement, you oh, know, beautiful. so it's just working on one level That's you know, beautiful. and then I, I like that. to delve into the emotional which I'm is sure,
1: how fascinating Nadia, we we're going to go. we're gonna take a break after the sure. break, we're going to look at you because you were faced with many challenges and I'd like to know how your approach, both psychologically physiologically, how you coped with your challenge, so love stay to share with that. us, we're going to be right back
0: this is Lifelinks with a DL link. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Walking with Warriors.
1: Thanks for staying with us. I'm Nikki Seberini. This is 101.9 High FM and this is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And I have Dr. Nadia Lufka in the studio. Um, She is a psychiatrist. She is a GP. She has shared, wow, what an incredible story and her insights. Um, Also studied Chinese medicine which I would think was rather challenging. But Nadia, just before the break, I alluded to your personal challenges. And they came in the form of uh, two melanomas and breast cancer that's correct Wow 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 can you expand on that please how sure. how how did you find I mean was it the did you see the melanoma did you see a mold did you, how, how did it work out for you?
2: So I think having the typical healthcare professional mindset, Self really doesn't matter. Mm. And um, when I was in fifth year, we did dermatology and yeah. I thought, oh, let me just go for a checkup, you know, because they you're doing like all the pathology and what have you. And my dermatologist, who's the, whom I met for the first time then, actually picked up uh, a lesion that was regressing. So it was actually disappearing inwardly. Wow. So that was my first experience. Yes. And then… You uh, had it removed? I had it removed. There were no consequences. I think it was just more of an emotional shock mm. and more like the family. That Oh, my God, you know, dread mm. diseases and mm. what have you. It but
1: opened. Uh, it was kind of Pandora's box opening just yeah, a little bit. That, kind that's of.
2: always what, um, you know, these conditions do to one. Mm. And then uh, I had a second one that needed wide margin excision removed in 2010. Sure. And then, was it 2013? So I lost in time. It was Mm -hmm. at the end of 2013 I got the diagnosis of breast cancer. So by then I was already a veteran at getting diagnoses. So it really wasn't um, so much of an emotional shock for me per se. I think we never really get time to process it. For me, there was a huge paradigm shift from um, changing from a mental – not a mental health – a you know, medical health professional into a, a service user yeah. you know, instead of a service provider. Wow. It was a paradigm shift that really turned my life on its head. I, I now imagine. suddenly was exposed to everything that my patients were exposed to inefficiency in the referral system, long waiting periods, mm. co payments with medical aid, mm. Uh, mm. dissatisfactory or, or totally unsatisfactory psych um, like oncology services, you know, waiting rooms that are crowded. I just couldn't be part of that model. It was just too. So it took empathy
1: to a a new level, actually, because empathy is an understanding of what another person's going through. And here you were absolutely going through, as you say, what so many of your patients had been through. How
2: did you respond to that? I just needed to get back to work as soon as possible.
1: Mm.
2: And um, I also needed to know that I had control over this, you know. And I think, like for all my patients out there with, with the diagnosis, um, we, we lose our locus of control. We're suddenly like, taken over by right. this condition instead uh-huh. of us taking this condition over. So it's one of the principles. How do you do that, uh,
1: Nadia? How do you get from the state of being out of control to then going, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm
2: taking back control. control? So, for example, I was dissatisfied with um, the oncology department that I initially engaged with. Mm-hmm. You know, I had made arrangements to see my patients at a certain time and suddenly I was waiting three hours. I found that... Just horrifically unacceptable yeah. yeah. that I had side effects. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I emailed the doctor. She never returned my call, so I decided that's it. I'm moving out of here, which I did. And I went to another department much further from Joburg. And I'm totally ecstatic and happy there. I'm treated nicely. Like a human being. Absolutely. So I gain control over it. And then I've got side effects. So you know what? We negotiated a second line of treatment. So it's for us to know as patients that you can do something about it. We mustn't accept the status quo. Like We can complain at any time and we can change. We can move. We don't have to stay with those particular practitioners. Treatment is standard. There's nothing more that they can offer that no one else can. It's... um, we, we, like I was saying, we're so conditioned mm-hmm. to accept and believe that this is a dread disease and this is going to take us out. But we can still have control even with the worst prognosis. Like we must gain control. So your psychology background helped you with that
1: because you went down that hole, but you were able to see it very quickly and you were able to bring your bring your way up yourself up again
2: am i right i think even more than that is uh, where my special interest lies and that's in the field of trauma so i do a lot of um, work with patients or victims of post-traumatic stress disorder from anything you know whether they've been hijacked or lost someone etc so those principles i've internalized so it was very easy for me to transition you know from from a practitioner to a patient and then to regain my life so I could, again, be the practitioner. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, I have it, but it doesn't have me. Mm, I have it, but it doesn't have doesn't me. Have me. Yeah. It's just a complete yeah. shift.
1: There's a different energy and there's a yeah. different feeling and, to And that. you can
2: live with it. It you know, doesn't you can have to. Live any. with it. It doesn't yeah. have to take power. Mm. You know, mm. and uh, that's the most important transition. Very important.
1: And I also yeah. want to ask you, from the point of view of the GP. Here we go back to that. So the GP, the homeopath. So now you've, your treatment is to go for chemotherapy. I presume, because you spoke about going to for oncology and side effects. Am I
2: right? Yeah. So you know the. So the decision to do that. Wow. That, did you grapple with that for stem, a while? I totally embraced the medical model. Did you? You know, you get slashed, you get poisoned, you get burnt, right? That's okay. the uh, sort of like standard treatment. Uh-huh. I didn't get the burning, which was great, you know, so that would be your radiation therapy. So you got slashed and you got poisoned. Slashed and poisoned, okay. you know, but absolutely fine. You know, for me, it's all part of just getting better. So after the surgery, I already felt like a catharsis. I felt I had lost that, that Condition was gone, like i already so felt. It was gone. It wasn't even part of me. So there was no
1: inner conflict of Nothing. let me let me ad- adopt the homeopathy principles of my body can heal itself. Or you knew this is what I have to do. I've got to get rid of it.
2: Absolutely. Okay. And one has to do everything. Yeah. You know? And
1: it's so personal, as you've said. It's so
2: personal. So I personally haven't taken any homeopathic remedies for myself. You okay. know, I, I don't feel I've had like substantial side effects that would need it, but I. Put patients on to You know, say, for example, hyperic if uh, if they had paresthesias or burning in their fingers, you know, so that now they can use their cell phones. Okay, so you would use the
1: homeopathy to help with the side effects. Absolutely. Interesting. Fascinating. Nadia, Mm. we're going to put our conversation on hold for just a little while because I have another person who's joining the conversation who I've met before and she was so inspiring. This beautiful young woman has faced so much. You were talking about trauma and she's faced so much trauma in her life and and she talks about it and she is this confident person who's come through the other side, who's now teaching people about resilience and self-esteem. So I'm really, really so delighted to welcome Itumaling Seku um, onto the show. Itumaling, welcome, welcome. How are you?
3: I'm um, well, thanks. And how are you? Oh, so and good. thank you so much for inviting
1: me once again. It's lovely to have you on the show, Itumaling. I remember the first time I met you, I was so... Bowled over by your story and your endurance and your resilience. So, for our mm-hmm. listeners who don't know anything about your story, why don't you share with us what happened to you as a very young girl? Um, one particular event when you were only eleven months old that changed your life forever.
3: Um, well, I was sleeping on the bed um, and I was only eleven months at that time, um, and the candle fell over the bed. Um, I obviously couldn't run away, so I got burnt. Um, it was a 70 degrees Celsius fire, and I lost my right hand as well as four fingers on my left hand. Um, and then I lost my right ear as well. Um, my brain cells were showing. My nose was impaired. Um, my mouth was completely ruined. Um, so and from that fire alone, um, I was in a coma for three months, and um, then I was then in hospital for another three years. Three um, and the years. had over one hundred surgeries. Yeah, three years. Oh wow. um, So, so the very first three years, I was in hospital, um, um, fighting for my life, really. Mm. Um yeah and that's what happened when I was eleven months
1: old and What does that do to you as a young girl, three years in hospital over a hundred surgeries did Did that seem normal to you? Did you used to look out and look at other children um and and become aware that your life was so different to theirs? Do you know what, Nikki, when I was
3: nine years old um my fellow learners would all um they started um Teasing me and you know um yeah they would tease me and call me names you mm. know etc and, et cetera. and mm. that's when exactly when I really found out that you know I'm actually different you know um to other people mm. um, and then that crippled my self esteem it crippled my confidence I felt like I was a ghost I didn't feel beautiful. I felt like, you know what, I just want to be here, you know. Um, and from that alone, um, I then tried committing suicide. Um, and that's just how low I really felt, you know, at that time. Um, and, and my first suicide attempt, I was in grade 5. And my second suicide attempt, I was 15 years old. And my last one, I was in grade 11. You know, um, and, and my last suicide attempt, I took 300 poles and I gathered to them, and I drank them. Mm. And, and a couple of hours later, I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no foam, no pain, no nothing, except my suicide nose, which I had written for my mother, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that really just ruined everything in terms of my self-esteem and how I regarded myself, you know, and I, I was a very bitter young girl mm-hmm. who, who hated everybody that was beautiful, mm. you know. Um, mm. And for me, it came from my own self-rest. It just made
1: me so... Yeah. Um, sure. and that basically just made me feel like, you know, I'm just not worthy. Itumuling, I mean, when I met you, um, you were sharing your story, you were talking about your career in broadcasting, you came across as this confident woman who exuded this incredible, incredible energy. And yet here you are sharing a story of how at the age of nine, you realised for the first time after being bullied that you were different and the numerous suicide attempts. What was the shift? What changed? What happened um, between that time I saw you and and, and all these suicide attempts?
3: You know, and um, the first thing is that um, I started building a relationship with Christ. So I'm very, very um, spiritual. But also, secondly, I had to change my mindset mm-hmm. because nothing else has changed. You know, I still don't have a hand, and I still don't have fingers. And the truth is, I'm still God. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. um, so, so I had to change the way I see myself, and I had to change the fact that you know I'm as much as you don't have, let's try and see what we can do with what you do have. You know, um and 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 also I think realizing that I had a purpose here on earth, you mm-hmm. know, that just changed everything. Um and from realizing our purpose, um, of knowing that, you know, that my purpose is to bring hope, you know. Um I then went to U J and and I studied media, mm-hmm. and then from there I then worked within the, the media industry um, for seven years on both radio and on television, and um, and and also another thing as well that just changed my mindset completely was when I became the brand ambassador for Dove, mm-hmm. um, and, and we traveled across and also motivating young girls on the South East. And for me, meeting beautiful women and girls you know um, and realizing that they had so many scars and wounds within them you know that just um, shifted my mindset completely because I actually realized that you know as much as my scars are external there are so many people with scars within them you know and they hide those scars with a lot of things you know um, from makeup to the way they portray themselves, and etc. and etc. That they end up not reaching their full potential because their scars are within them, mm-hmm. and they they don't deal with those um with those um scars. Yeah. So 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 for for me, you know, I just had to change my mindset. Wow. And that's the so many wonders for me because I mean I had a very successful um um work experience, you know, um for the past seven years and now that I'm fulfilling my own purpose by speaking and motivating people full time, you know, um and just meeting different wounds and scars every single day and just healing people's scars from my story. Mm. That is what wakes me up every single day because I know how broken, you know, this world is and the fact that so many people have excuses for many many reasons, you know no, um, they don't reach their full potential because they have some sort of an excuse, you know, and when they look at me and they see this woman with no hand and with no fingers, then they get to sit down and really just think about their own life,
1: mm, you know. Mm.
3: Um, at the end of the day, I've got only one finger and I can start 35 words per minute, you know. Wow. And I can, yeah. Fantastic. And I can drive myself across the world. And so many people would rather just sit and complain than rather to just stand up and allow their own light to start shining within them, you know. Before I started um, typing 35 words per minute, I had to practice almost every single day, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. just so that we could actually get um, that point where I'm actually typing 35 words per minute. So so we all have that potential within us, but we just need to push, you know.
1: Absolutely. Oh, it Itumiling, yeah. I'm I'm gonna bring our warrior in, um, Dr. Nadia Lufka. Um and I'm gonna ask you, Nadia, I mean you've you've heard Itumiling's um, story and she talks about like what was the turning point, how important purpose was, religion, um, changing her mindset and knowing that there were other people who were suffering and that through her sharing they could overcome their suffering. What are your thoughts on, on this
2: incredible, incredible journey and story? So I think Just from what Itumaling is saying, you know, she's already showing us a therapeutic model Mm. that when you are struck with such a diagnosis, the first thing that you're uh, in the grip of is helplessness. What that does, it triggers off a huge stress reaction in the body. So um, what happens is we go into a fight or flight mode and that causes the release of certain hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. And um, it also causes the paralysis of our natural killer cells. Now, these are the cells that we need to enlist in order to fight rogue cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And um, what's happened for Itouma Ling is she's been able to break that chain of where fight-flight affects the uh, endocrine system and causes the release of all these stress hormones through connecting to a higher source. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important thing for all of us, So we don't really know. But we must take a chance, you know, in terms of a belief system. Trust in uh, something greater. You have to trust in something greater to know Mm. that that something greater has um, given us this challenge. It's not a punishment, it's just simply a way for us to discover our deeper and greater inner strengths Mm. and then to be able to pass that on to others in a similar position. And one of the most important sort of principles of my work is that I make my patients dig deeper. They must go inside and release, you know, some of the traumas of the past that they're holding on to. There, is a, there are very well documented sources that show the connection between emotional stress and the development and onset of cancers. Mm-hmm. And in the same uh, paradigm, that working through those can actually improve the situation. So we're not say, saying that, you know, psychology and all of that is a cure for cancer. It's certainly not but it certainly facilitates the cure and it should be part of any sort of curative program. Mm. And Itumaling has done that. She's, She's tried to let go of the past, you know, of being bullied and of being made fun of and to try and find herself, you know, and to find acceptance and peace. And it's through that connection with a higher source, you know. If we could use just an analogy of... People on a train, mm-hmm. right? The train is going to Houston or it's going to... Paris. It doesn't matter where it's going. and It's full of it's people. It's fantasy. Correct. It's- At the end of the day, that train... <laughs> yes. you coming with me. Sweet. Yes, please. Take me along. Okay, we're going to Paris. Yeah. Sorry, Nadia. No problem. At the end of the day, all the components of that train are going to end up in the scrapyard. And all the people on that train are going to end up as dust, you mm-hmm. know, which is the, so. uh, it's the course of man. The difference between, between those that are suffering from something and those that aren't is that those who are suffering from something are thinking about it, you know, wow. like consciously thinking about it. You go more into purpose and um, trying to accomplish your, uh, well, we don't know what our chosen purpose is, but we do know with every day that we open our eyes and wake up that is our chance to fulfill it and actualize it (laughs) so even if you only have two moments in that one can accomplish absolute volumes you know one's whole profound
1: profound let's take a break on that note we're going to be right back stay with us
0: this is lifelinks with a dl link lifelinks is a dl link fundraising initiative If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Walking with Warriors
1: tuned to 101.9 Chai FM my name is Nikki Seberini this is the DL link show where we connect you through insights and information and illumination I think that's all happening on the show today so many insights coming from Dr. Nadia Lufka and information and illumination with the, the incredible story of Itumaling Seku um, and Itumaling just listening to um, what Nadia was saying before the break I mean you really have processed it and you didn't I mean did you have someone guiding you? Um, were you talking to a psychologist at the time or did you come to these conclusions kind of on your own?
3: Um, I kind of came to all of these conclusions all on my own. I had no psychologist. Um, I, I did go to a school that had psychologists and so on. I think for me, um, I couldn't listen to anyone else because I felt like they did not understand what I was going through. Yeah, You know, yeah. um, it was kind of a hard-headed mentality for me, but mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, I'm not going to listen to someone who's got two hands and the same fingers, and then you're going to come and... Um,
1: Tell me how I should feel.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I had to literally just sit down and just say to myself, listen, all right, we have to change the way we think. I mean, we've been crying for 19 years. And nothing has changed, Mm. you know, and you still don't have hands, you still don't have fingers. And it's not like the more you cry, you know, um, your hand is going to grow, you know, it's just not going to grow. So let's find ways to make what we have work, Mm. you know. Um, So I had to change my mentality.
1: You've also penned the story, you've just written a book what do you see? And you talk about mm-hmm. the story, you talk about your relationship with your mom, you talk about your um, relationship with your father and what a struggle it was and what a struggle it continues to be, um, an mm-hmm. intimate relationship that you had and the impact that it had on, on you because it was an abusive relationship and you investigated why you were involved in this abusive relationship. It kind of sounds, Itumaleng, mm-hmm. e- that writing the book, was also part of a cathartic process, was it? Or am I just putting that there? Have we lost it to Malang? Ito you've gone. Okay, we'll get her back, we'll get her back because I want to talk a little bit more about uh, this book, What Do You See? But it's time then to introduce our next guest um, and uh, she knows an incredible amount uh, about trauma, in fact she was uh, um, instrumental in putting together the, the trauma clinic at WITS um, it's Dr. Merle Friedman, she's a clinical and corporate, corporate psychologist um, and uh, she herself has been through a recent trauma when it when it comes to fire. So, uh, Dr. Friedman, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much, uh, yeah. Dr. Friedman. I mean, I'm not sure if you heard Itumaling's story. Um, and I she's did. okay.
3: And I've asked not to to be associated with anybody's stories right now because I'm in the depths of my own trauma. So, i I would appreciate not not having to deal with somebody
1: else's story. I hear you. Um, Dr. Friedman, maybe then we we can just look at the breakdown of when it comes to trauma, um, when someone has experienced a trauma and there's a process of debriefing. Um, For people who are listening, who have experienced a trauma um, and they're not sure how to process it, what would you say they should do in helping themselves to move forward? I
3: think the very thing to do is not to rush the process. You know, um, the, the big thing is that other people who wish you well and really do mean to wish you well want you to get there quick. Mm. And they say things like so-and-so is doing so well mm. um, after the fire or after the rape or after whatever she's or he's been through doing really well right at the, at the outset is not being gung-ho only looking forward putting it all behind you that doesn't work mm-hmm. and I've been there both persons
1: I think we're having a problem with the phones Craig I think there's a problem with the phone sorry Dr Friedman please continue is Dr. Friedman with yeah, us? Both. Are you there, Dr. Yeah. Friedman?
3: Can you hear me? Yes, I'm
1: so sorry about that. We were having a problem. We'll okay, try okay. to milling just okay. now.
3: I, I've been there both personally and professionally on many occasions. And when somebody moves in and and is too uh, positive too quickly, mm-hmm. they move into something that I've called negative resilience, mm. and it, it it's really bad for you. It feels good at the start because you can be positive. But what it doesn't allow you to do is to go through the pain, the sadness, the loss that you need to go through in order to come out resilient at the other end. Mm. Negative resilience at the end of the day lands you in trouble because you you sit with all that stuff tied up inside you, having not worked through it. And this is one of the major things
1: I think it's such an important message uh, Dr. Freeman. It's a very
3: important Mm. message. It's the reason that I came onto the program. Mm.
1: Because you know,
3: I'm in the midst of our own terrible trauma. Our house has been destroyed. We have absolutely nothing left.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry.
3: We with the clothes on our back and our computer laptop and that's it. Mm. And, And it's very, very difficult. And everybody wants you to say, oh, I'm okay. I'm I'm doing so well, but you're not inside. Mm. And so if you stay with what is inside and get all the support that you can get, that's what makes a difference. And people have been unbelievable. I have to tell you, I never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that we would get the kind of support, both as a town, as a community, as, as, a, as, a, as a couple, as we've had. I mean, our children are here from all over the world, and some are still coming. Um, um, people have sent, you know, people didn't say that, that there are a couple of things that one shouldn't do. People are wonderful and they say, I feel so for you, and they send a message, and what can I do? Mm. But you can't answer them because you don't know. You don't know what you need. You don't know. You just know that you've got nothing. And you also know that you've never taken charity. Yeah. Which has been true for us. And so, what people did that was so unbelievable. They said, What size are you and your husband? Because I'm either going to get you the wrong size or the right size. So, just tell us what size you are. Mm-hmm. And they sent boxes of clothes, and food, and towels, and blankets, and dressing gowns, and uh, you know, it, it, it was just to receive these these care packages was the most astounding thing. Mm. But you're also have been taken in by friends who said, you can stay here for as long as you like. That level of support is just unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we've just moved from from one friend's home to another friend's home out in place at the moment. I mean, we arrived and they had filled the fridge and the tea trees and the the grocery cupboard and just said, live in our home. It's yours for as long as you need it.
1: Wow, that's so generous. Incredible.
3: It's so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it's that, the constant phone calls, the constant WhatsApp messages, the constant things that say, we're holding you close to our heart. That level of support gets you through. It really, really gets you through yeah. in the most amazing way.
1: Yeah, And
3: so we are both almost at the point, not fair yet, where we can start to, to stop looking back with as much pain as we are still and begin to look at what the future might hold for us. Wow.
1: Dr. Friedman, because I know... I know this, it hasn't been easy coming onto the show. And I I just, I want to say thank you because even you just sharing your experience, I think that there's so many people listening who have extracted so much from what you've said. Action, um, you know, there's so much in action, taking action and the support. And that, and that when one is faced with a trauma, as you said, to place a time limit, uh, limit on it and say that within a certain period of time you've got to get over that is um and which could then create, as you said, the negative resilience is something that we should all be very wary of. I thank you so much for coming onto the show and for sharing your story. Yeah and and i and, and i just hope that you know that you, you're able to yeah go you know build and what 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 i have to say is actually just meaningless in the face of what your challenge is so yeah, thank you well, dr friedman thank you very much for your time much much appreciated okay
3: go so well thank
1: and- you Bye bye, uh, Nadia. Um, we'll try and get it to Maling. um, Craig, let's see if we can get her again. But you know that you know how many times, and we're going to take a break. But how many, and you can respond after the break. How many times I sit with people and they talk about a support system, how difficult it is because people don't know what to do. But there's so much to be said about action just doing something and that's what the dl link does you see they take action to support people it's those little things it's just what dr friedman was talking about the meals the fridge full of food the clothes incredible i want your response straight after the break thank you
0: this is lifelinks with a dl link lifelinks is a dl link fundraising initiative If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Walking with Warriors.
1: Welcome back. Unfortunately, just a few minutes left of the show and it's just I wish we could continue. But Nadia, let me ask you that. Just listening to Dr. Friedman in terms of support. Being, and cancer patients. How, how do you bring that all together? What are your thoughts on that?
2: So I feel that, you know, the point that she raised is absolutely vital. And there is clinical research to support the fact that um, people with depression and a sense of helplessness don't tend to thrive with their illness. The illness tends to thrive mm. You know, the reason being that the uh, depression and stress suppresses the immune system. So, again, going back to the concept of the natural killer cells, what they discovered in the research, if I may just quickly bring that in a little bit.
1: Please, fascinating. I love
2: that. People who were exercising in the month, building up to the diagnosis, never had this negative reaction with their natural killer cells. So, their immune system didn't take a dent. So, those who are working already on themselves engaged in some kind of uh, therapeutic uh, service and so on, did better than hmm. those who had no support. And um, having said that, that's all one really needs to do. And it's simply to reach out to the services that are offered by the DL link. So they're offering you an opportunity to connect to the source of life. You know, they'll bring mm. in rabbis to talk. Mm. They'll bring people in who can allow you to connect with uh, like the energy in your body. There's aromatherapy. There's meditation. The most important research that I've read that uh, I find, you know, tremendously meaningful and um empowering is just the concept of looking after your domain, namely the space between your ears. Your domain. It's 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 called your domain. That inner domain. Well, uh, yes, your domain. That is the place. Mm -hmm. It's where you learn to overcome your fears. You diffuse Mm -hmm. those fears, the fears of what, the fears of the unknown, the fear of abandoning your children, all these negative connotations that we associate cancer with. We can kind of dispel them one after the next. And the end result is a patient who... Has cancer and can manage it. You know, it's about managing it, like you would manage diabetes. Doesn't have to rule our lives. Mm. We can do all these little things that are like so freely available, and so well thought through, in terms of being something that is offered by the DL Link. Like I found them. Just to be the most incredible resource and facility, mm-hmm. you know, for people in a hopeless and dark space. It doesn't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. They like a light. They, they like are. a shining and, and light. And one can just step into that light. You just go in there and take what's available mm-hmm. and dig deep. Oh Nadia,
1: if people want to get hold of you, I'm sure there are people listening now want to get hold of you. Have you got a contact number they can reach you on? Of course. What is it?
2: My landline is 011. Yes, 4148, 4148. you have been amazing and I want to just also say
1: for those of you who are listening to Itumaleng Seku's story, her book is called What Do You See? Um, You can pay she said about 300 Rand for the book because it will be sent to you by courier anywhere in South Africa Um, you can always contact her um, at Itu underscore Seku and she you can speak to her about getting this incredible book, Itumaleng I'm so sorry we never got to chat with you again with the problems with our lines. It was such a privilege having you on the show again. So that's Itumeleng Seku's book What Do You See? Wonderful having Dr. Friedman on the line and Dr. Nadia Lufka. You have been illuminating. You have been interesting. You have been informative. You've been everything. So thank, thank, you so thank you so much. Thank you for listening. It has been wonderful. I hope you've enjoyed it and I look forward. I don't know if I'll be with you next Thursday. I may be in the mountains being one with nature. But you take care until I see you again. For me Nikki Severini, goodbye.